averaging 15 on and off the court. Shout out to Josh Giddy. Um, <laughs> oh, there's a lot of thundering in his world right now. All right, not as much thundering as the L's I've been taking. Nothing like when you win $45 in a day and then you spend all 45 of it the next day. Well, it's a protective pick, so I get half of it back. But it's crazy how one day you're hitting on all cylinders, and the next day you wish someone just had a cylinder block to just come and smack you in the head before you place another bet. Um, <laughs> oh, but yeah, Josh, apparently he likes to giddy up around the underage girls' horses. Um, <laughs> he. He probably likes going to those horse riding places and just kind of, you know, scouting the landscape. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I didn't know he's Australian. Well, I guess that's how the Aussies get down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of a weird, touchy situation. Well, <laughs> touchy maybe the wrong word. Um, <laughs> I don't know, you know, we got... P. Diddy out here, trafficking woman, allegedly. Um, you know what? My you know, my personal attachment to the P. Diddy situation is he made my, you know, young crush when I was young. But it's kind of weird because I'm complaining about Josh Giddy being with 15-year-old girls. But yeah, when I was, you know, 13 or 14, I liked Cassie, who was in her 20s, more than likely. So that makes me no better. Because you know what? You're wrong for being that young. Being attracted to a woman much older. But then when it's the reverse, you want to have a problem with it. Yeah, it's a big deal. Because I had no chance with Cassie. Um, <laughs> um, just tell me how you like it. Um, but, um, yeah. So, you know what? He made, like, I, that, now it explains a whole lot. Now we know why she shaved her head. Like, it made no sense. She was beautiful. I mean, not that she wasn't then, but there was no indication, like, she needed to shave half her head. Like, that seems like some something that would happen when you're with someone that, you know, may have some, uh, let's just say, control over your life. And maybe it's a way to... Make you seem less, you know, sexually attractive by the world. So they don't view as a threat and they kind of keep you in line. I don't know. You know, just no theories out there. But there's been a lot of rumors about P. Diddy. You know, it's been like a rumor mill for fantasy football. It's just like this rumor. Like, uh, he didn't practice Wednesday. It's like, yeah, you know, rumor. Yeah, you know, apparently he used to have hotel parties with young men and they're 18, 19, 20-year-old men, even 30s, sometimes even 40s, depending on what they need to do to get to the next. He kind of like had a Harvey Weinstein, but at least Harvey kept it with woman, you know. At least he kept it traditional. Not as anything wrong, huh? but it's like, there's been a lot of suspectable, suspectable, suspectable things with the Diddy. Um, but you know what? When you're producer and you 
create iconic songs like I'll Be Missing You, songs you didn't even write that the original is actually Sting, but you made the song a little bit more popular, I guess, because you used it as a tribute to Big Ink to kind of capitalize off that, which more likely he may have had something to do with Tupac and Biggie and all that stuff. But hey, what do I know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you know, you look at you look at Diddy and the way he smiles. Like, look, I'm not into the whole like Illuminati or worshiping the devil, but he looks like a guy that worships the devil. He has a whole Jesus cross as a cover up, and really, it's to protect himself from himself, more than likely. Um, damn, look at Clint digging deep here, actually putting shit together on the spot. But, um, and then apparently, uh, the JBP, the Joe Budden podcast, kind of, apparently in a recent episode, they kind of talked about the situation when it first came out, but apparently the next day there was a big settlement and all this stuff. And then since it was an ongoing case, you have to correct a lot of legalities, they record the pod, then that day of, there was a lot of edits they had to do and talk about the subject. You know, and a lot of people are mad about it, but when you actually listen to responses like, oh, yeah, that actually makes sense. People say like, oh, they're, he's trying to protect some industry friends and stuff like that. It's like, now he's trying to protect not being sued with the power of Diddy when he literally is worth like $500 million, probably close to a billion dollars. Um... Even though Joe has a pretty big company, he could wipe him out. And with that stuff, you do. Just ask Tasha K. Cardi B put on the bongos. <laughs> she make Bodak Yellow come to life to Tasha K. But yeah. Um, gotta love it. So yeah, welcome to episode 237 of the Off and Beat Podcast with Clint Nelson. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Most poor ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to suck some titties. Recording this on November 25th at 12.56 a.m. Eastern. Yeah, Eastern. Not Pacific, just means Pacific. And yeah, it's been a little bit since I've recorded. Uh, you know enjoying life and by enjoying life i mean being suffocated with the amount of hours that your position holds you accountable for but hey it's what we sign up for big paydays big tax brackets and not making any more money than you were before you gotta love it um (laughs) they said it'll be great extra money it's great And then all you're doing, you know what, I should probably shut up. You know, I actually got to watch what I say now. Not because anyone's told me, but you know what, I want to have some integrity. You know, it's not, it's not my place to put out gripes you have with things. Um, But, you know, I'll just say with more responsibility comes more, what the fuck am I doing? Um, (laughs) But... You know, I, I decided to try something different for the pod today. You know, I like to, I want to bring back some of those old vibes. So for any long time listeners, for any, um, what do we call it? Real ones 
as the kids say. For all the non-haters, um, I hate when people call people haters. It's like, no, they don't. They're not haters. They just, you just, you just suck sometimes. Um, <laughs> but today's sponsor and drink for the show is we're back to the ghost, the energy drinks. Because I remember, you know, going back in the time machine. I remember going, uh, when I would do those episodes and I would take one. Though. Now, it's a terrible habit. The stuff in those drinks are not great when you're consuming one or two a day. But I do notice when I take them, it's like, holy shit, locked in focus. And I decided to get one of the most sus- suspect flavors I've ever gotten as a man in my life. Bubblicious cotton candy. There's nothing straight about a man drinking a blue and pink can named Bubblicious. Um, typically, Bubblicious is when you click the wrong category on Pornhub. Um, <laughs> uh, you do not want Cottonmouth. Um, even though sometimes it sounds like some of these pe- some of these girls have Cottonmouth. You know, when you're watching these videos. Look, I'm speaking of a retired watcher of these things. I don't actually watch that stuff anymore. Because you know what? I'm a new and improved man. I'm about preserving my energy, which I guess they call No Nut November. <laughs> Failed mission. Um, <laughs> I'm like the challenger. Um, I probably shouldn't joke about a thing where, the you know, it blew up and killed people. But at the same time, it's been like 50 years. We've sold it for advertisement. It's cool. Um, I'm like the challenger, you know. Uh, the second got off the platform, busted. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Not in the spaceships. Um, <laughs> but you know, just think about like how that's made. We, you know, they spent years creating this rocket ship, going into space. All the greatest scientists, all the greatest uh, astronauts, all the greatest, greatest, highest, top of their field profession. And the thing doesn't even make it more than 100 feet, a couple hundred feet off the platform before it blows up. Almost like when P. Diddy bombs your car, allegedly. Um, (laughs) Everything comes back to P. Diddy. Stands the test of time. And I'll be missing you. Maybe he really wrote that song, guys. So when it's played at all the funerals of the people he, you know, puts hits out for, they just play that song, ironically. A song that's produced and he's a part of and music. Ironically, the people that he's responsible for. Maybe not being here on this earth anymore. They play his music at their funeral. It's kind of a slap in the face. And if this pod ever makes it off the ground, he's coming to sue me. I promise you. But you know what? What the fuck is he going to do, huh? You know, maybe the whole thing is like a hit piece, you know? Maybe it is a cash grab by Cassie. But you know what? I'm typically not for people getting cash grabs. I'm not for people just trying to get some money. But you know what? For her being with you, the big one of the biggest titans in the music industry in the past 10, 15, 20 years, 
you like everyone knows you kind of control who gets put on, who gets not. The woman who is with you for that period of time, you couldn't even elevate. Like you, you had to make a concerted effort to make sure her career didn't elevate. Like she was like on the rise. She could have been like, you know, today's in her lane, like Doja Cat. You don't think she could have been as big as Doja Cat? You don't think Cassie can make a better song than Paint the Town Red? Like, Cassie was like this beautiful. She was, honestly, she's better than Sierra. There's an unpopular opinion. Except Sierra, you know, she bounced back after Future and got with Russell Wilson, who got paid twice. And they have another kid together. Congrats. You know, you were, P. Diddy was the future of the Sierra as, oh no wait, future the Sierra was what P. Diddy was to Cassie. Sierra was able to rebound. And Cassie, I think, was with some white dude named Alex, so I guess it didn't, <laughs> yeah, it's a little, you know, going from future to Russell Wilson is, you know, however you view Russell Wilson from a money standpoint, it's not even close. Like, Russell Wilson, now going from P. Diddy to whoever this Alex guy who probably climbs rocks for his free time, you know, or maybe he was some tech guy, technically, um, but that's the blatant, like, you know what, you probably cost her a lot of money that she could have made, so you know what, 30 million, it's a weird number, I don't know, like, how they come to that number, because honestly, if I, if all the things that happened to me, and all that stuff, I don't think there's really a number you could put to make it right, I mean, if that stuff happens, like, but like, you gotta hit them where it hurts, but you can't ask for so much that's deemed unreasonable, where it sounds like you're being unrealistic. But, you know, any jizzaboo. Um, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a lot going out here in this tantalizing world. Sometimes when I look at the lights, I'm like... Damn, sunlight is always there for my beautiful, beautiful skin. European descent skin. I don't know what happened if I ever did an ancestry lineage thing. Like, you know, finding your roots. But Andre 3000 drops a flute album. And honestly, I listened to part of a song and was like, you know, this seems like some nice sleeping music. And that's not in a negative way because he's playing the flute. Like, that's actually a compliment. It's actually pretty soothing. Yo, I don't know how a music critic could break down a flute album when typically they're breaking down hip-hop. I saw Anthony Fantano actually did a review of the album. I watched part of it, like, and I was honestly like, I've never seen him review an instrumental album. He's a music critic, music nerd, whatever. So, he knows more than me. But... The song, like, the album is an hour and 27 minutes, but it's only, like, eight songs. But the titles on these things are fucking amazing. I think there was one, like, the first one is, like, I K 
can't, I couldn't make a rap album, so I made something like this instead. And they're like these crazy current. It's like, you know what? Actually, hold on. Hopefully, the audio is to hear. I'm actually going to look this shit up because I was looking at it earlier and it was actually quite fascinating. I almost couldn't believe it. There was one about, you know, bopping it. There was one about, like, I don't know if it was Megan the Stallion, but there was some cool stuff in there. Oh, uh, let's see, let's see. This is an outcast part. So the album's New Blue Sun. These are the titles. I swear, I really wanted to make a rap album, but I made this instead. The slang word pussy rolls off the tongue. <laughs> this man's playing the flute through this. That night in Hawaii when I turned into... I can't read the rest here because it cuts off. Uh, Bipolo Disorder's daughter wears a something. 93 till infinity and Beyonce. I feel like, honestly, as I'm reading this, he's making these titles for, like, algorithm for uh, keyword search purposes. Which I don't blame him. Because they're so absurd. But it's like, when you listen to an instrumental, it's always weird to kind of... Because you either just name it something that would kind of describe the feeling you're listening to. Obviously, I hope when I'm listening to someone play the flute, I'm not thinking of the slang word pussy. Um... <laughs> I've never slain pussy to the flu. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously. Gandhi, Dalai Lama, and your Lord and Savior. Ants to you, gods to who. Dreams once buried beneath the dungeon. These are definitely like shock factor. Type. Like It was basically like, hey, here's the flute. I'm going to play some shit. Put some absurd titles. And you motherfuckers are going to listen because you guys have been demanding me to make personal solo music for the longest time. Well, here you fucking go. It's me playing the flute, bitch. Maybe the next album, he should play the flute and drop, you know, just one verse on it. And just have it be the greatest verse of all time. But you know what I do appreciate about it? It sounds corny. I do appreciate the fact that he just actually makes something that he enjoys. I don't think he's part of a... uh, I have to see. I don't know if he's part of a record label. I didn't do research on that part. Um, It doesn't say... Oh, he's part of Epic Records, a division of Sony Music. So I guess he technically, if he makes music... He has to. Do, he probably has albums that he makes where he's a. I wonder if that conversation goes like he goes up to Sony. He's like, "Hey, so I'm ready to actually make that next album." And they're like, "Yes, Andre 3000. This is gonna be the biggest deal. We can market this shit." And he comes, and turns in. He's like, "Hey, where's the verses? Where's?" The, he's like, "Oh no, this is it." And they're like, "Oh, well, based off the titles, we really thought you were gonna." You know, be rapping. And he's like, you know what's better than rapping? (sighs) Playing Titanic music. I got the feeling of like music. I got a feeling of movie soundtrack. Like, like some of this shit could have been played during the Titanic when 
You know, that bitch let Jack die on that freaking raft. Fucking cunt. Ah, uh, God. Still coming out of me. But yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah. Enough of the flutes. Let me give you the boots. And, uh. Oh, shoot. You're fired. Um. Who? Ooh, that is definitely bubbling in my chest. Um, <laughs> uh, whenever I want to get up in the guts, all right. Um, <laughs> so, if a chimpanzee crosses the bridge to Shanghai, does that mean Mulan is coming to town? Um, <laughs> That would just be saying some absurd shit. You know, he really kind of like... <laughs> I can't believe I keep going back to 100. That reminds me of Panic at the Disco in their first album. When it was some weird shit. Like Panic at the Disco and Fall Out Boy. In their earlier music. They used to just have these crazy... Like, I'm like a lawyer. And blah, 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 and then just be like... Panic at the Disco would be... London Beckon these songs so you can sing. And then like... uh you know, uh, lying is the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off. Which, damn. These actually, I wonder if they made this shit up or they just went online and found some, like, deep Reddit line, like, titles and stole them. Um, but yeah. Oh, speaking of, I can't believe, this is how long it's been, like, I assume when I do this off time, I've already talked. So, Drake... Scary Hours 3. Alright. So, Scary Hours 3, as J. Cole would say. Um, it never it never fails. It never disappoints. Um, whatever he said at the end of Evil Ways. It's a... Uh, is it good? Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I think the best part about when we get these small little... Even though it's technically a deluxe added to For All the Dogs, which I felt like maybe is just because that came with the criticism. Because he. Because now it's like technicalities with streaming. You add it on, it's part of it. And when you add new music, it re enters the whole discography and the algorithm, and you get like another boost. It's like this weird thing. But so let's just call it a separate EP, whatever you want to call it. Um, what I like about it most is that I actually like it when it's just free-flowing, cheap instrumentals, and I mean that in a complimentary way. I think sometimes now in music, and I think it's kind of taken away from Drake's recent big albums, is everything is more focused on how new or cool the sample is, or Oh, where do they strip this from? And they make it so precise and everything that, and every like word has to be so precise, and it takes away from the flexibility of just talking and shit. And we get the scary hours. At least the way he describes how it goes is that it happens in an inspirational moment. I think it's one of the few moments where Drake just whatever happens, he gets into a mode. Where it's like for four, he said for this, it was five days. 
he's just worked on all these songs and these verses and instrumentals. I don't know if it was from scratch. I doubt all of it was from scratch. But I'm going to say he like finally, like, you know what, we're actually going to just finally put this shit together. And he gets in, I think when you get to a certain point, these, like, when you have those rabbit holes, when you have those Groundhog Day holes, where it's just like, for whatever reason, you just get in the momentum, and there's nothing else that matters. You get tunnel vision. There's something about that. It brings you back to, like, the beginning, before you made it, like, the that childish feeling of when you start something new, the great feeling of that initial feeling. You know, not to compare myself to the boy, but... You know, the boy had a starting point, too. Just without all the everlasting success after it yet. But you know what? One day. One day. But don't worry. I'll have my comeback season. Huh? Get it? Alright, never mind. Uh, but like that album. Like that that mixtape, technically. Because that's what it is. Which I don't know what the fuck like a mixtape versus album. It's like fucking 18 songs on that shit. Mr. Please. Um, but it's just where it's like obvious egregious samples. And they're just using instrumentals and then they rap over it with some slight variation. So they can't call it their own music. But when he gets in these modes where it's just like he doesn't give a fuck about you know, how it's going to be perceived by the world, putting a full, cons- he's like, I'm going to put these like very laid, simple instrumentals where I have a lot of flexibility to just talk over it. And people are going to listen to me. Now look, he's on beat and shit like that. But these are opportunities. It's called scary because it's scary when someone doesn't have to answer to fitting whatever expectation he has to fill. And it goes back to the originality, the origin of why he does what he does, which is just rap. Not to worry about having this cool feature, having this beautiful five-minute type of song that he has to have on every album now. It's not about it being long and drawn out. It's three to four minutes. Not much chorus, just fucking bar after bar. And you get a real full view Of how Drake actually is his introspective side. Of how he really feels about what's going on. Like he used to in his earlier albums. But as time. It's a lot more status. It's a lot more how much money he's fucking got. It's a lot more protective of what he puts out there. This is more of like the emotional but real side. Ironically in the the shoe fits. It comes. He literally says. I don't know how anymore. As in the song. He's. He's saying he don't know how, but he's literally kind of revisiting. He's kind of actually accessing that part of himself where he does know how. But he's kind of telling you to face, yeah, I don't know how. As he's doing exactly what he's telling you he doesn't know how to do. It's like it's like when someone, you know, shits in your yard. And you're like, hey, man, why'd you shit in my yard? He's like, uh, I don't know. And then you're like, you're going to clean it up. And then as he's cleaning up, he's like, I don't know how to clean it up. You know? It's almost, it's like an embarrassing aspect. Like, I do still, as a grown man, I do still feel this 
immature, this toxicity, this feeling of a woman having flaws and all this stuff. But I have to package it in a certain way and be a little passive aggressive more than ever about it, you know. But I think people like it because the criticism of the last album is, yeah, there's some rap and bars and like it wasn't a bad album, but seems we're getting less and less of that. And when you get in these just pure, we don't really give a fuck how great the instrumental is with Drake. Let's be honest, like he has good instrumentals, but most of it is not because of the instrumentals why we listen to him. Like Drake is Drake has reached a point, and certain artists reach a point where anything they speak, like it could be over nothing. It could be over someone shitting over a toilet, and we will listen to it. The more time I think someone spends on the instrumental, I think it covers up more of what they probably lack and what they feel about their artistry or their pin game. And I think Drake likes to remind us that like, hey, like, you know, that would be, it would actually, it's kind of actually vulnerable in a way. Like, it's not this, the most highest quality. I mean, it's high quality. Don't get me wrong, but compared to all this other stuff where it's all these switches and all It's like, nope, it's a pretty simple, most of these instruments is pretty straight, straight through. And it's just him that's dictating what he wants to do with it vocally. And where I feel like, why, why don't we get that from more artists? Why don't we get that from more bigger artists like like J. Cole doesn't even and J. Cole like apparently him and Drake just like any song they do together is fucking fire. Now first person shooter was like that and evil ways the back and forth of on it was fucking actually what people wanted. <clears throat> um but yeah. I think it was just a reminder like look Guys, I can still fucking do this, but I don't really want to do this. But yeah. Um So, I've officially I don't know if you guys can tell, I like to protect my body at all times, but I have put on some LBs, um, and I don't mean just wearing a weighted vest to hit, you know, weight. Um, thing is, when you sit at a computer, it's crazy how your body reacts to things, and it's crazy how when you're so used to doing one thing, your body adapts, 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 and just like, you stay at the same place no matter what you do. You are forced to do something different. Your body adapts and it actually grows. Like, here's the crazy part. Just sitting and not doing as much actively while working out. And actually seeing what happens when my body actually doesn't do anything and it rests. It's crazy. Like, it's actually pretty insane. In a short amount of time. How much your body can grow. And maybe I'm just... You know, as the kids say, maybe I'm just built different. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they always talk about genetics. And I don't know my genetic 
uh, advantages. I'm sure there are certain, I would say my experiences, when it comes to building the body. My genetics lean more to my lower half than my top half, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, we can all lie. Um, <laughs> but no, I have great, well, not great, but when I'm truly training correctly and consistently, consistently with a good plan in my head, my legs will stay, will stay and grow as much as I grow it. Much work as I put it, it's going to grow along. Like my legs and I work out a couple times in a week. My legs are going to look great. And if I don't work out for a while and then I go back to it, it's going to stay. It's going to, it'll be okay. Like I use my legs in everyday life. So they stay where now my upper body, my arms, I have to actively train. It's one of my weaker points. But when I do train, it's like, it's crazy. That I used to think the whole like genetic aspect of it was highly overrated. I always felt like it was just the work you put in. That's all that matters. And juice. Um, <laughs> but I think I'm starting to realize that maybe I've underestimated my genetics. Because I see... Because I've seen a lot of people that work pretty hard and they're having a hard time gaining... Or seeing the results they want. And I keep getting compliments and reminded how improved and how much I've grown to people I see on a regular basis. Like, holy shit, the last time I saw you, you were like, dude, like, you're just putting on size like crazy. I'm not even really trying to do anything crazy. And I think, you know, looking back at my... This is why I like going back to the ancestry thing. If I were to go, like, I wonder if I have a lot of natural muscle in my family. It's just I didn't learn to access or understand my body until a little bit later in life to actually maximize a lot of things. Like, always did sports. always, been, But we've seen, like, the people do sports for life and their physique is, like, not, it's not, like, as athletic as you would think. But they're athletic as people. And they're just good at the sport. There's a lot of people that look strong. But they're not that strong. And a lot of people that look like. You know. Normal. And they're strong as fuck. And I'll tell you the thing that's annoying though. I will say. When you start looking. A certain. When you look presentable as someone who's insanely strong. Everyone wants to fucking arm wrestle you. Like you're. Like you're in 8th grade. Especially people that are like. Because they got to find a way like, oh, well, they're getting all this attention. I got to find a way that, you know, remind them. Or I got to find a way to humble them. It's like, it's like, bro, I would snap your, I would snap your elbow in half. I really don't want to do this. But it's like, people always got to feel the need when they feel like there's some crack in your armor. Or some, you know, crack in your asphalt. <laughs> it's your asphalt while your ass is cracking. Um... <laughs> I'm such a fool. Talk about laying the foundation. Um, it's called glutes. By the way, the most the most missed muscle when you are training legs that people miss is the hamstrings. People love training their quads because it's easy to do the leg extensions and they work. It's a good pump. It's a good feel. You can grow them. 
But if you have big quads and you have weak hamstrings, you're going to have a lot of injuries. And typically it's going to be on your knees because all your weight's slinging forward. Oh, look at this non-degree looking ass telling me about how my body works. It's like, okay. Go ahead. You know what? Skip your hamstrings. Don't do hamstring extensions. Don't actually squat where you actually power through your hands. You know what? Keep just putting all that pressure in your quads. Then when your quads snap in half and it's shaking like a jello in a pudding cup. Eh, can I get my pudding cup? Uh, you know what? I don't want to hear it. Maybe work on your ankle flexibility. Your ankle strength. Your foot strength. I don't know. This is the ignorant fucks that just like want to say like, oh, you're not a doctor. You're not this. Like, yeah, you're not either. But you know what's funny? There are plenty, if you have a personal trainer who knows everything, but they look like and they can't perform exercises at a minimal level that you would expect someone, how serious are you going to take them like, oh, you need to be more intense? It's like, if you were to do the workout you're putting me through, you'd be struggling just as much. Now, it's not about putting down people who aren't as strong or anything like that. It is weird when people are always talking about expertise in fields. But knowing knowledge but not actually applying it to your daily life or regular life is almost more insulting than someone who doesn't know anything and doesn't. It's it's crazy like you wouldn't have a you wouldn't have a dietitian sit here and express the importance of amino acids and the importance of vitamin B12s and stuff. And then you, what do you, oh, it's like, oh, what'd you eat today? Like, oh, I, I eat out all the time. I get pizza. You know, I, uh, you know, I don't, I eat candy all day. I drink soda. All, it's like, wait, but you're the, you're the director of the FDA. Yeah. It's like, but you're telling people these foods are bad, but then here you are eating these foods. Well, yeah, it's like, oh, okay. It's like, I'm not saying you got to live a perfect life. I'm not saying you can't go fluctuations. But, I'm sorry, but like, you've got to be stronger than me if you're going to be my trainer. You've got to be more well, you got to look better than me. Like, it makes no sense. I'm talking about me personally, I'm just saying like, if I was someone seeking. Like, if I feel like I actually... No more based off actual experience and trial and error and doing shit. See, it's not. See, here's the people if you're looking to actually grow and get stronger. It's not the dudes that are in the gym every day. It's not the dudes that are in there all day every day. It's not the dudes that work out and they talk about working out and they live the gym life where they have their big gym bag. They have pre-workout. They take these four different patterns of vegan collagen, amino acid, BCAAs, uh, protein powder, and pre-workout and all this shit. And they do this shit six times a week and they take all this shit. And then, no, you know who it is? It's a guy that goes a couple times a week. You see him pretty regularly, but not too much. You see constantly getting stronger. You see the intensity. And you see actual progress. And people who are consistently having progress for doing a period of time. Not just, oh, my body's new and it's grown. No. Those are the people 
you should ask and be like, what do you do? Tell me some secrets. Not the bullshit like, oh, all you got to do is eat this many cow. All you got to do is do this. It's like, no, actually, like, tell me, like, what do you do? That's just that noise. Not the person that has all the information and they do videos online and then they talk about nutrition, they talk about working out, getting stronger, but they have no direct knowledge of what it actually feels when you do that stuff and why sometimes if you're training at high intensities, why it's actually not great to just eat healthy foods all the time. Like you see good foods, but sitting there and just like, oh, you need to eat only this amount of this. And it was like, yeah, you know what? You need to actually just, you need to have a good idea how your body operates and go from there. How about that? How about fucking that? <clears throat> oh, Jesus. Um, but see, this is me getting too over my skis, right? But you know what? You guys are the ones that hype me up. You guys want to call me Hercules, Jesus, and God forbid Thor. And by the way, I saw the commercial for Aquaman coming out on Christmas. That shit looks like absolute a waste of time. It actually, I didn't watch the first or the second Aquaman, whichever, however many they are. I feel like Aquaman, just by looking at the commercial, it doesn't see, I'm not saying it's a bad series or bad movies they got going on. It definitely seems like just because it's some in a niche type of uh, superhero type of feeling, because it's not the traditional Batman, Superman, Spider-Man type of thing where it's like mainstream. Like Aquaman was like kind of deeper in the you know, um, deeper in the comic book sphere. Like people knew of Aquaman, but it wasn't like the main thing people were into, right? And now they're making the movies and stuff, and it's like since it has, you know, the production company attached to it, it's going to get marketing and advertisement. But it kind of seems like, you know, we don't need to make movies off of every superhero character. Like, there was always the rumors about them doing, like, Gambit, for example. And there was always rumors that it would be Channing Tatum. Would he be a great Gambit? Well, actually, he did play Gambit in one of the X-Men's. But, like, making a whole, like, movie about it. And that's the thing, right? Like, I think there's just certain things where it's like, I do... Aquaman would just be better than, like, an ensemble. Or it's like, when they did the Batman versus Superman. Have, like, Aquaman versus the Little Mermaid. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be crazy. <laughs> Jason Momoa versus Halle Berry. Or not Halle Berry. Haley. Halle Bailey. One of the, you know, one of the twin sisters. You know, the one who's pregnant by DDG. But she's not pregnant. But they go out and she's always wearing clothes to protect her pregnant. I don't know. It's always weird. Like, I don't get the whole protecting your stomach from people seeing that you're pregnant. It's like, people know the deal. It's like, I don't think anyone sees a pregnant woman. It's like, oh, how indecent of her to show that stomach, you know. It's all weird, like, people, and that's the thing. Maybe she feels like, especially being the public guy, that if she is seen, even though she's pregnant, everyone, if she's seen looking overweight or something, she's got to worry about, 
oh, people are going to think I'm this. I may gain weight. My face may puff up and stuff. It's like, yeah, you're pregnant. Like, why, why is this an overprotective thing to protect everything? You're pregnant. You know? And I, and I get the other side. You know, I, there's... It seems like everyone's either overly reserved in their pregnancy or they're overly audacious about their pregnancy. Like, you know, then there's the ones that are like seven and a half months pregnant, you know, still going, still going out, you know, getting fingered in the porta potty, you know, with no standards whatsoever. Um, I don't know, you know. It's like, I think it's just be one of, like, it should just be like you go about your regular life and then people see you pregnant. They don't, you know, maybe don't wear, you know, skin tight because that may not be good for, you know, the body in that state and condition. But shouldn't be wearing these big old XXXLs, like hoodies and all this shit. Like, it's really not that necessary. But that is a weird thing, right? Like... I can say, like, it would. you would think pregnant would be one of those things that strangers would be like, that we as people would be like, hey, congratulations on your pregnancy. But nowadays, most people don't seem to be happy that they're pregnant. <laughs> Both people don't seem to be happy. So if you see a couple in CVS, you know, paying for some overpriced toothpaste, you just like, hey, guys, I just want to say congratulations on your pregnancy. And they're like, yeah. Thanks, because they both are not happy that they're pregnant together. Um, is a you know it's kind of odd thing like how that should be something that we should, instead of going like oh my god your dress looks so great like oh my god dude you're looking fucking great man you must be going to the gym five times a week how come we don't congratulate people random people on pregnancy like if I saw someone. You know, now I might think, like, if you see a woman pregnant, she seems happy, she's in, like, you know what, why don't we just, you know, pass it forward, pass it on. You know, we pay random people and lines for, oh, I'll pay for their food and their food. I always, anytime you got caught up in a line, and by the way, sorry, I know I'm going all over the place here, but if you've ever worked at a fast food place in the drive-thru, and you're at the window, and someone's like, hey, I'm going to pay for the guy behind me. And you're like, oh, great. Then you have to remember that the next guy's food is paid for. Next guy. And then they're like, you know what? I'll pay for the guy behind him. I'll pay. And you're like, why can't you all motherfuckers just come to a place and pay for your own fucking food? Why do we have to remember that you're paying for the guy behind you? And then you always got to that guy where they ask, wait, how much is the person behind me? And it's like... It'll be like, yeah, their their food's twenty eight bucks, and they're like, ah, uh, yeah. Well, you know, the bucks got to stop somewhere, and you're looking like, you know what? I appreciate the fact that you're stopping this madness. <laughs> you know, as it's like, yeah, man, I just came here, got a double cheeseburger, a couple double, like my meal's five fifty. I didn't ask anyone to pay for it. I'm not, I did not come to McDonald's to pay 28 bucks for anyone. Like, that was not my plans today. But, like, the passing it on thing, it's so fucking stupid. It's absolutely just a waste of time. It is fake generosity. It is just like, 
oh, look at us. This is like how much we have to create unnecessary generosity is that our idea of generosity is paying for the next person line and creating the next 20 people paying for the person behind them. When if everyone just paid for their own shit, everyone would go about their day better. No one feels better because they paid $8 more than what they went to a place for. And that, you know, and one thing I do appreciate about how society's getting all depressed and shit is things are getting less generous over time. I appreciate the fact that people actually are less happy during the holiday season because you know when people are less happy people are more rational you know happy people do irrational things you know you're you're overly optimistic oh life is going so great nothing could go wrong when people are you know stressed annoyed nothing to be happy about they're like i am not I don't even want to pay for my own food. I don't even want to fucking be here. I'm already mad that you guys raised the prices 20%. Like, I fucking hate the sight of you telling me that my Big Mac combo is $14. I am am not paying for this asswipe behind me in his G-Wagon. That he's probably three months behind payment. His priorities should be other other places. Alright? So, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck the holiday season. I am broke. Everyone told me Santa existed, and now Santa is making me come out of pocket. Maybe when you file your taxes, there should be a Santa tax where all the gifts you get, that's what it really should be. Because you're selling this Santa propaganda to the kids. So it's like, if you're going to force me to be marketing, you're going to force my kids to believe that there's a Santa and expect shit, cool. I will pay for it now, but I want it as a tax write-off. So that's real. It should be called the Santa tax. You know, I made the economy go great. I brought businesses revenue. They're making more money. So IRS, give me back my fucking money. All right. Jesus. Pass it on. Fuck these ass wipes. All this stuff doesn't make you, like, really, like, question people. Like, like, what the fuck do you get in your shit that costs as much? Like, the weird people, like, when you go to, like, Starbucks and shit. If you were to do that pass it on thing. And you're like, oh, how much person behind me? 11. Oh, their bill's 1118. It's like, I see one person in there. They're like, yeah, they got this drink, and then they got, like, this modification, and this modification, that's, like, a $2, it's, like, I just look at them people, like, what the fuck is wrong with you, like, I know someone, I'm not gonna say who, where, whatever, I know someone, for him and his wife, his wife goes to Starbucks three times a day, and spends close to $16 a day, I think it's 16 to $18 a day on Starbucks. Now, look, they're married. You know, they share accounts or whatever. And when he started realizing, he's like, no. like He was like, no, you got to start paying for your own. Like, no. And he's like, the second I said, I'm not, you know, you're not getting Starbucks three times a day on the credit card. <laughs> she only started going once every three days. <laughs> like... <laughs> But it's like, that's the thing, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. That is the thing, Zay. Um, 
My body doesn't respond as well as this as it used to. Must mean I'm a healthy individual, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Okay. I think maybe I'll end the pod there. I'm kind of running on fumes. And so, yeah. That was episode 237 of the Off of Me podcast with Clint Nelson. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification button. Most poor ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to suck some titties. I think I forgot to say it at the beginning. should never forget to say it at the beginning. And by the way, if anyone steals that tagline, my quote, in that manner for your podcast, I will pull up and I will cause internal bleeding. <laughs> Sorry, that just reminded me of that rap, that infamous rap battle of the two dudes in a bar. And the one dude just kind of like, he's like, I'm going to, oh no, they were out in the park. He's like, I'm going to get a dagger. I think it was also, I'm going to get a dagger. I'm going to, I'm going to stick it in your chest. I'm going to twist it until you feel very uncomfortable. And then he pauses for like five to seven seconds thinking of his next line. And he's like, and cause internal bleeding. <laughs> it's the funny. That's one of those things like no matter what age I remember breathing, it makes me laugh. It makes me laugh like a motherfucker. I don't know what is it. Yeah. I will pull up and cause internal bleeding if you stole my don't forget to suck some titties. And I will file trademark and I'll finally be in the profit margins and then I'll bet it all on prize picks. Um <laughs> You know, I'll win it back. Um my brother just won a thousand dollars, and here I am putting five dollar bets, hoping to get twenty five in return. Just goes to show the apple does not fall far from the tree in all cases. Some people have a knack for this making money thing. I do at times, and I don't at times. Cause that's the thing; it's not even like on days you basically that's that's kind of the draining part about when you're gambling is like if you place multiple bets even if you don't you place one and then like in your four piece parlay like the first game or whatever the the first action that happens in one of yours it automatically like oh this is not going well because typically if you got one thing wrong it means you're going to get everything else from because you predicted you had the wrong idea what's happened that day and like you're not even coming close. And then you make another one like, alright, I gotta make up a lot. You know, I'll get and then it's the same shit. It's like that's why it's when you win, like you notice all your shit's hitting the green or most of it. When you lose, it's like you missed half of this, you were like eight off on this one. This person's been injured for two weeks. Like you're not even close. Like it's just all pipes. But yeah, I'm going to put a pipe in this one. Um, But yeah, alright. I'll see you guys later. Enjoy your day and night. And maybe this will be posted on the weekend. Not that this is a throwaway episode, but this is my uh, getting back in the game episode. This is my uh, Tim Boyle.
damn, like I picked the under on his 169 yards. In the first half, it was looking great. Then all of a sudden, the Jets want to run a functional offense and complete passes over the middle. You know, I hate when I see it. I'm sorry, I'm about to go. I hate when I see this shit. It's like, you guys always do this shit at the end of the games. I understand they're playing softer coverage. It's like, but the whole game, you guys are just throwing predictable, hike the ball, two-step drop, look for the running back to get a quick completion, hope they break it. Like, it's the dumbest play call. Like, these are NFL quarterbacks. I don't care if they're second or third string. I hate when these play callers, Nathaniel Hackett, which is like, Oh, see, it was just one experience in Denver. It's like, oh, really? Because maybe with Aaron Rodgers' quarterback, he wasn't that bad. But it seems like he goes anywhere else. Russell Wilson's looking pretty good right now. The Broncos have figured some shit out. He comes here, and now they have the worst third-down conversion in the last 50 fucking years at 23%. You know how hard it is to only convert 23% of your third downs? And all of a sudden, in the game, they want to run a functional offense. It shows, run what you did in that. Take it to the rest of the, Whatever you did in those last five minutes to get over the passing yards when I picked on it, do it the whole fucking season. How about that? And maybe your offense won't shit a brick like my toilet that won't flush. All right, the battery's dying. Gotta go. Jesus Christ. Fuck. Just run.